0: From WDBM East Lansing,
1: you are listening to The, the Undercurrent,
0: our weekly news
1: and storytelling program made by and for the students of Michigan State
2: University. You are
1: listening to The Undercurrent. Hi everyone, and welcome to The Undercurrent. You're listening to Season 12, Episode 6. Our show this week is dedicated to Michigan bees, pollinators, and all of the people trying to protect them. We here at The Undercurrent wanted to know, what is all the buzz about? To find out, I talked to the Michigan Pollinators Initiative, and reporter Taylor Halterman checked in with the Bailey Bee Team. We wanted to know, what is a pollinator? What do they do? Where have they gone? And how can we help them? For answers to these questions stay tuned first though reporter taylor halterman and reporter destiny todd talked to some of our co-workers here at the radio station to see what they already knew about bees living in michigan
3: um could you give us your best bee
0: noise
4: buzz 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 something like that sure yeah i'll give a do bees really make noise I guess the wings do, because I don't think the bee itself makes the noise. Like, is the bee, like, growling, or is, does it just, <laughs> like, all right, I'll just do it, that, yeah.
2: Bzzz,
4: that's my bee noise there. Thank you. Yeah. How many species of bees do you think we have in Michigan? One. I'm going to guess five. That sounds right to me. My guess is seven. Um, I don't know, like, 10, 15? Oh, man.
5: Like I said, I'm not the most sciencey person, but I'm going to say 12.
3: What would your reaction be if we told you there's over 450? I would say, "Wow, I didn't know that there was that many different species of bees." Oh my gosh.
4: That's a lot of different types of bees.
3: That is crazy.
4: Uh, that I wouldn't I'm not surprised, yeah. I didn't really have a a real number in mind. So that makes sense. Yeah. 450. Houston, wow. I did not know that. Usually I just see bumblebees
5: or like little hornets or things like that. Yeah. I would not have expected that.
3: Do you think the bees are important?
5: I do think bees are important.
3: Uh, why do you think
5: that? Uh, because bees are very vital to our ecosystem.
3: Yeah. I think they're very important. Uh, from what I know, like they're super important pollinators. So without them, like a lot of like our like crops, like a lot of our, uh, Our flowers, our plants wouldn't survive.
4: I definitely
5: think they're an important part of of the earth and of our ecosystems. I mean, like, I'm not scientific at all, but I believe that they're important and that measures should be taken to make sure that they are sustained
4: in our environment. Well, I guess it's like less of an opinion thing and it's more just like a fact that they uh, pollinate plants and they are pretty much essential to uh, the ecosystem and all that good stuff.
1: That piece, again, was courtesy of reporters Destiny Todd and Taylor Halterman. To get some expert answers about bees and other pollinators, I want to talk to Megan Milbrath, an academic specialist in the Department of Entomology, as well as the coordinator of the Michigan Pollinators Initiative. MPI is associated with Michigan State University, and its mission is to work with beekeepers, growers, land managers, and policymakers to promote economic success and ecological sustainability. First, she helped me understand some of the basics of pollination. For example, did you know that bees are not the only insect that pollinate? When I think of like, pollination and pollinators, I think simply of honeybees. Yes. Is there... What am I missing? What what other pollinators are there?
2: So, you're missing a lot of really good pollinators. So honeybees are by far the most popular pollinators, and they do the bulk of our pollination services for all of our fruit crops and vegetable crops, Um, so we have a really large commercial beekeeping industry and then we have about, we estimate about 10,000 hobby beekeepers in the state as well, so there's probably about 100,000 or over 100,000 honeybee colonies in Michigan. We're one of the states that has um, some of the most honeybee colonies in the country. Honeybees are not native to the United States, and so they're brought in largely for agricultural production, but we have about 460 native bees in Michigan, and some of them are very important in providing crop pollination, but a lot of them are just important for providing pollination for our native plants that um, make up our healthy ecosystems. And then that's just the bees. There's thousands of other insects that will act as pollinators. So this is butterflies and ants and beetles and wasps.
1: So that's what a pollinator is, but what do they do? And when it comes down to it, what exactly is pollination?
2: Pollination is basically plant sex. So millions of years ago, plants figured out that they can do a lot better if they share genetic material. And a plant cannot just get up and like walk over to another plant like animals can and so they've they've created what we call pollination syndromes so they developed characteristics that allowed them to attract an animal to them which is mainly insects so if we look back at the fossil record we can see that flowers were developed in plants at the same time that insects really started flying and the whole purpose of having a flower is really to attract an insect so that it can move genetic material from plant to plant.
1: Now, not all plants or crops rely on insects for fertilization. Corn and grasses, for example, depend mainly on wind pollination. But Michigan specialty crops absolutely depend on honeybees. Fruits like blueberries, cherries, apples, and strawberries all need pollinators to reproduce. And contracting honeybee colonies is a billion-dollar industry across the nation. To ensure agriculture yields, if bee populations continue to decline as they have been, produce consumers need to brace for a rude awakening.
2: Yeah, so all all of the statements where we're all going to die in four years, and that's that's not going to be true. Um, the first thing that will happen is that you know our ecosystems will be less robust, so they won't be able to handle changes as well and will probably lose a lot of plants and a lot of the rare pollinators will just be gone. You know, with honeybees, the impact on our food system is that fruits and vegetables and a lot of the crops that provide a lot of the, you know, colorful, nutritious food are just going to become much more expensive as it becomes harder to get pollination contracts for them.
1: Okay, so it's not a secret that many native bee populations are on the decline, but where are they going? The short answer is that there is no simple answer, but there are a few factors that seem to be to blame.
2: And when you talk to people about what's happening with the bees, they really, they call it the four Ps. So there's poor nutrition, which is due to changes on the landscape, pesticides, pathogens, and parasites. And it, they kind of all work together. So when you have poor nutrition, you're more likely to be affected by toxins from pesticides, or maybe you're more likely to get infected with a parasite or with a pathogen. So there's, they kind of all, we, we call them these integrated factors that are affecting bees.
1: So a lot of what Megan and the Michigan Pollinators Initiative does is partner with projects that are combating the detrimental factors. For example...
2: Another project that I'm excited about is we have a partnership with this program called Project Wingspan and that program it takes volunteers to go out and collect seeds Um, and this is to promote butterflies mainly and um, they go out and they collect seeds and then they have other volunteers who grow the seeds into plants. And then they redistribute those plants to people who want to do restoration. Um, So a lot of people will do restoration with seeds, but it helps to have plants that are a little further established as well.
1: At the end of the day, Megan told me, if you want to get involved and help hashtag save the bees, planting native pollinator-dependent flowers, shrubs, and trees is the best way to promote restoration. One thing that she does caution most people against is erecting their own honeybee colonies. Honeybees are not native to the Americas, and in the best-case scenario, putting one up in your own house will have a net-zero impact on the native population. Worst-case scenario, the non-native honeybees will compete with native bees for food resources and, in some cases, spread diseases to native populations. Maybe instead, build your own native bee hotel. For examples of those and for all of the information you could ever want about the Michigan Pollinator Initiative, you can check out their website at pollinators.msu.edu. And here's Megan one more time.
2: Um, Our philosophy is not to try to focus on, you know, making this one perfect thing that's going to change um, everything for pollinators or to try to find the perfect planting, but we really focus on do what you can where you can.
1: Before we move on to Taylor's story about student beekeepers, we're going to go to the weekly impact update. We're trying something a little bit different this time and focusing solely on music news content, brought to you by impact managing editor Josiah Leach. Now it's
5: from news. Josiah Leach here with some music news. The estate of late singer Prince has condemned President Donald Trump's use of the artist's music specifically the song Purple Rain, at a campaign rally he held Thursday night in Minneapolis, Prince's hometown. Normally, presidential candidates are allowed to use an artist's music if they pay for the rights to it, no matter how much the artist may dislike it, so long as it's not used in the form of a political commercial. Politicians can do this through performance rights organizations, such as ASCAP and BMI, that protect music copyrights. Artists are able to opt out of BMI licenses. But in this particular case, Trump's attorneys had sent a letter to Prince's estate last year confirming that, quote, the campaign will not use Prince's music in connection with its activities going forward. The Prince's estate followed up by tweeting, the Prince's estate will never give permission to President Trump to use Prince's songs. It's expected that a lawsuit will follow, but the potential outcome is still unclear. Prince is a particularly interesting example here because throughout his lifetime, he was notoriously protective of his music rights. Many musicians have had an antagonistic relationship with Trump and his choice of music at campaign rallies, such as Rihanna, Neil Young, Pharrell Williams, and the Rolling Stones. And that's your music news for this week. For Impact Student Radio, I'm Josiah Leach. Have a great week!
1: And we're back! You're listening to WDBM East Lansing. This is The Undercurrent, your weekly news and storytelling program. This week, we're asking, what's all the buzz about? Our last story is brought to you by Taylor Halterman. She visited the Bailey Bee team to learn some more about beekeeping.
3: So If you think about a jar of honey, it takes one bee their entire life to make one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. So, like, you think about it takes 12 bees their entire life to make 1 teaspoon of honey and you think about how much is in a jar and people wonder why honey's expensive. So I think that's really interesting cuz like it just puts into perspective like how much work a bee puts into their life just to make the things that
6: you use and like you just spread it on your toast to or put it on a peanut butter sandwich. That was Anna Julie, a senior at Michigan State University studying environmental biology and zoology. She's also the leader of the MSU Bailey Bee Team. Bees work hard to produce honey, and the team was able to see just how hard their bees had been working at their honey extraction event last month. We pulled two super,
3: so super is what the boxes are on honey on beehives that you see. So we pull two supers, they're probably between 30 and 50 pounds each. I'm expecting to get maybe five, four to five gallons of honey, which equates to about 50 pounds of honey. Um, so we'll go out to our jammer, which is a trailer that's USDA certified so that we can sell our honey to people. And we break open all the honeycomb on the frames, put it in a big extractor and spin it around really fast and whip all the honey out of it. And then the honey falls to the bottom and we can empty it out into
6: our strainers, into our buckets to be bottled. And if you're wondering what honey extraction sounds like, it's a little something like this. The team ended up pulling around four gallons of honey, which will likely be for sale next summer, according to Abby Canaus, a sophomore at MSU who is a co-curricular leader for the bee team We
0: do plan on having quite a bit since hopefully our hive will expand into two by next year and we will have double the honey to collect.
6: The Bailey Bee Team is a part of the MSU RISE program. RISE stands for Residential Initiative on the Study of the Environment. The program is headquartered in Bailey Hall and is a living and learning curriculum made up of different classes and teams. The Bee Team has a hive on the roof of Bailey Hall and they tend to two hives on the student organic farms.
0: During the winter we install things like mouse guards and we wrap them in tarp to try and keep them warm. We check on them during the spring and feed them sugar and make sure that they're mostly disease-free. Things like varroa mites are a huge problem causing things like hive collapse currently so we try our best to protect them from that and we also just use them to educate the public and educate our students about beekeeping.
6: Educating the public is one of the team's main goals. So the goal overall is to
3: raise awareness of pollinators, to teach people about beekeeping. It's something that's pretty easy to get into once you're, it's an initial startup cost is quite high, but once you're in it, it's a pretty easy thing to maintain and encouraging students to be a part of it and to be interested in beekeeping will hopefully spread their knowledge to other people, which will spread it to other people and hopefully making this big impact in a small way to teach people about the importance of pollinators, the importance of our pollinator health. We focus a lot of, on honeybees, but we also do stuff with native bees. We've built native bee houses in the past. So the overall goal is to try to teach people and make build awareness for the importance of our pollinators
6: to our food sources. This education is important to the bee team because bees themselves are important.
3: Bees are very important. They are the most important insect, I think, that we have the quickest and the easiest because we can have such big colonies of them but our native bees are actually usually a little bit better of pollinators just the way they're built but they are in such in such small numbers because they only have single queen colonies they're just solitary bees so they're really important too but honeybees are the bee that we're able to domesticate and be able to pollinate massive
0: fields of produce they're the only insect that can that provides a resource that us as people can utilize, which is honey and wax. I think pollinators are really important because without them, we would have such a limited food supply. And as the population keeps growing and we're having things like food shortages, the last thing we need to be worrying about right now is an inability to produce the little food that we can to feed a growing population.
6: The team's honeybees are actually not native Michigan bees. We
0: have honeybees. They are from Europe,
3: so they're not actually native to the United States. They're the only bee species that we're able to make colonies out of. There are some other honeybees that we can make smaller colonies out of, but not to the extent that we can with our honeybees. They're the only insect that we get a byproduct and we eat it, which is honey. They're great pollinators in that we can have huge numbers of them and we can put them in all of our farm fields and have them pollinate all of our crops. Then there's the native bees, which are usually solitary bees. These are your mason bees, your carpenter bees, your bumblebees, all of those types of guys. Bumblebees form small colonies in the ground, so they're also a colony bee, but everyone else is solitary. They usually f- use holes and like carpenter bees like houses because they like wood. Um, but you can you can build little houses for them out of wood and drill holes in that it. They like little holes, and it's just one queen, she lays all the eggs. Um, and takes care of all of her young and doesn't have like a colony that she watches over so that's the difference between them they're also excellent pollinators because they are the native anything native is obviously like preferred for your native fauna but they're also excellent pollinators you just can't have them in large numbers
6: though the bee team's focus seems to be honey they also care about native bees and pollinators Anna even created a wildflower pollinator garden on campus near Wells Hall to encourage native pollinators. We installed it
3: about a year ago in October, and we did like a big event. We handed out packets of wildflower seeds to pass buyers so they could know what we were doing and also plant their own pollinator garden, hopefully. Um, and there's a lot of bees on it, which is pretty cool, so it's awesome to check out. It's one of the few patches of like true flowers that are really on campus, especially right now, late fall. It's a really nice, refreshing thing to see in the middle of a very green campus, but not as many like pollinator friendly plants that are planted. So that was our goal was to increase pollinator friendly habitats on campus since it is very green and there's lots of trees, but there's not as many like forage type plants.
6: Those interested in helping pollinators can create their own pollinator gardens. Or if that's not an option, there are alternative opportunities.
0: If you want to help the bees, uh, there are plenty of resources outside of us that you can look into, but you can always come and ask us for advice. Uh, What we most often recommend is joining the Michigan Center of Beekeepers, and they'll educate you even further. But you can also do little things like plant wildflowers that support pollinators and donate to research facilities if you wanted to become directly involved with the bee team you can follow us on social media and we post about meetings and different events that everyone is welcome to
3: any normal person that wants to help out bees can plant a pollinator garden plant wildflowers in your backyard in an empty patch take some of your green grass and make it into friendly habitat you don't like the green grass is pretty but you don't like it's not helping anything um but your eyes so why not plant pretty flowers and make it even pretty prettier It took me coming to Michigan State and getting the opportunity to put in like a pollinator garden to feel like I could do something. So if everyone on campus plants some seeds and they don't think it matters, but it matters when 50,000 students do it. So I think it's important to remember that your small thing that you do, my small pollinator garden, for example, matters in a grand scheme. Because if everyone puts in a little pollinator garden, if I inspire 10 people each week to consider pollinators. That matters. Anything counts, no matter how small that
6: you can do. If you're an MSU student, you can join the Bailey Bee Team. Or if you're just interested, you can follow them on their Facebook page at MSU Bailey Bee Team, their Twitter at MSU Bailey Bees, or tune into their Bee Live stream, where you can watch the hive on the roof of Bailey Hall. Reporting the buzz for Impact Student News, I'm Taylor Halterman.
1: And that's it for our show. One last note, though, before we go. And this fact didn't quite fit into Taylor's feature story this week, but she wanted everyone to know that honey, that golden and sweet goo that we like to sweeten our tea with, is technically honeybee spit. In order to move honey to the honeycomb, bees pass along mouthfuls of honey from one to the next until it reaches its destination. So there you have it, I guess. Okay, no, that's really it. Thank you to our station manager, Olivia Mitchell, our general manager, Jeremy Whiting, and our programming director, Amber Konutsky. And as always, thank you to you, our listeners. Even though we can't see you, we think you are beautiful. And if you want to check out our archive of buzzworthy stories, please feel free to visit our website at impact89fm.org. And we will see you back here next week. You've been listening to The End of Current.